We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how you doing? Pretty good, my friend. How are you? Not bad. Uh, pretty good week. I mean, I'll be honest. After the Indiana game, I maybe feel a little bit worse than before that because of some of the things that happened that we'll get to in a minute. But since the last time we recorded, two wins in a week with not a lot of games, uh, so they won both of those games. So not such a bad week overall as far as the win loss record. You take those wins, uh, and yes, there are absolutely some nuts and bolts. So we have to cover that could end up being unfortunate about the team. But thirty-six and nine, you know, retaining. We talked about them last week that they were like three games ahead of everyone else in the NBA. That remains the case. They yeah. just are not losing games. Um, and this week, the potential, Mike, to mm-hmm. form some narratives yeah. and officially stomp on the throats of Utah Jazz fans <laughs> everywhere. So I think we'll we'll cover that in the second half of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fascinating week for the Suns. There's, you know, Donovan Mitchell out at spoiler for the second half of this podcast, but Donovan Donovan being out for the first game at least does suck as far as For sure. testing both teams. I'd like both teams to be tested in this scenario. But, you know, Aiton might not play either. We don't really know. And who knows about these other guys that we're going to talk about in a minute. But the first game that happened this week since the last time we recorded was the Dallas game on TNT. Thank God uh, TNT has Thursday nights back. They were doing Tuesday nights at the beginning of the season. (laughs) Thursdays felt weird without TNT, I'll be honest. They're back. The Suns were one of the biggest games in the first weeks of them doing this. Suns versus Dallas. The Phoenix Suns have now beaten the Dallas Mavericks nine times in a row. They just can't beat the Suns no matter what they do. And the Suns on TNT, I think, after Devin Booker having one of the best weeks of his career, come into this game, I think, with the intent on reminding people who the best team in the NBA was. And I'll be honest, it wasn't going well at first. But I think on the national stage, to see the Phoenix Suns take over in the clutch like they have been 
so many times throughout this season. I think that was the type of thing that people who maybe don't watch the Suns on a regular basis have an opportunity to see exactly what that looks like. And I think everything played off like it was written in a script for the Suns at the end of this game. They just took over at the end and finished off the Dallas Mavericks in what ended up being a really fun game. It was a really shitty first three quarters in that game, followed by just a resurgence, uh, a resurgent Suns team in the fourth quarter that, as you said, took over. But like, you know, the Mavs came out in that game and they played the Suns pretty well for a while there. I mean, they had this kind of wonky trap and hedge type scheme that threw the Suns ball handlers off just enough, uh, sort of combined with Phoenix only shot 22% from deep in this entire game. Uh, JaVale McGee kind of sucked in this game, too. He he didn't close yeah. the game for, for a guy who we definitely have to talk about a lot this yeah. week, I think. But, like, he kind of sucked in that game. Uh, so you go into the fourth quarter, and, I mean, the offense was just absolutely not clicking. But then they started getting stops. And the the extent to which they got some of these stops were amazing, whether it be Chris Paul, Mikhail Bridges playing the passing lanes, Biombo. I mean, there's the guy, like, you know, I tease to it, but we just have to talk about him, Bismack Biombo, playing really, really well in multiple schemes. He was coming up. He was, uh, he was trapping Dallas Mavericks ball handlers. He was trapping guys like Jalen Brunson on the perimeter. And then the next possession, he'd come down with Luka, and he would play. He would drop back. Luca would go into the step back three and he would come out and contest. He was all over the place and he was awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, really just a defense first mentality got the Suns back into that game. They were able to generate the transition points and the right guys took over in the fourth quarter and that was that. But mm -hmm. just the fact that they're able to do it over and over and over again, hard not to have confidence in their ability that, you know, just straight up play playoff style basketball right now. They are probably, I would say, the best in the league at doing it. Yeah, I agree. And I think the Mavs attacked the Suns defensively in some interesting ways and even offensively in some interesting ways that uh, did sort of affect them in those first three quarters. But they just turned their defense up to a level that uh, other teams really can't get to outside of, I think, the Golden State Warriors, who are, when they have their defensive units on the floor, they can get up to that level. But <laughs> I'm not sure they're even going to have that, you know, with Clay Thompson just not I mean Gary Payton the second's better at defense than Clay Thompson so far better yes he's just better so you can't really have you know the combination of Wiggins Gary Payton and Draymond was what made that tick and even Steph who's been very good this year is what made that defense work and who knows if they can do that later so right now really with their best players on the floor only the Suns can get to that level of defense for extended stretches of time and that's all it takes because it's you can't do that for a whole game the amount of energy it takes to play that way you can't do it and you know credit I think to to Devin Booker who I think had two good defensive games this week Dallas I thought he was really good on defense in Indiana where he couldn't buy a bucket which we'll talk about mm -hmm. in a second he still played tough defense throughout that game and the Suns need him to do that because he's getting chased around screens he's getting attacked on switches you know, he can't just be lackadaisical on defense. He has to put the effort and energy into it for the Suns to win these games like like they did against Dallas, which old Suns teams would have just rolled over and died <laughs> and lost right. that game on right. TNT. And this team, not once through those first three quarters, did I think the Suns were going to lose that game. I just had a feeling they would win because we've seen it over and over and over again. And now the rest of the NBA got to see it. But then they went into Indiana. We'll talk about the Indiana game, too. If you want to talk more about Dallas, feel free. But in the Indiana game, D 
Devin Booker, the bipolar, I think, side of Devin Booker came out here where he just couldn't hit a bucket. He just goes through these stretches, and I think more this season than last season, he's going through these stretches where he can't hit a bucket. And the rest of the team played really well, whether it be Mikel Bridges having one of his better offensive games so far this year, or we got to talk about him now, Sam. Bismarck yeah, Biombo. Let's fucking talk about Having maybe the best game of his career because he had his season high, his career high in career points, high. and his career yep. high in assists in yep. the same game in a season that he did not even start the season as an NBA player. And then he goes into this game and has the best game of his career. Really insane. The short roll god, Bismack Biombo. <laughs> uh, I remember, like on uh, you know, on certain possessions, like after he was up to four or five assists, Bismack would get it on the short roll. He there was one play where he was wide open. He could have just taken the dunk, but he was so excited to get the assist. He wanted to be <laughs> Jokic that bad. He fired one off into the corner, and they they said, you know, take it easy, big fella, just take the layup, <laughs> take the dunk. He got a little overexcited, but he has been absolutely magnificent uh, over the past four games. I I tweeted out earlier today, the Suns' net rating in the 85 minutes with Chris Paul and Bismack Biombo together on the court. Because it wasn't just the Indiana game where he had 21 points. He also, he finished that Dallas game. This is the only other thing I would say about the Dallas game. He finished that Dallas game. He had clutch buckets. He had a clutch pick and roll possession with Chris Paul. An and one. Two or three minutes left, and and one, perfectly executed. Devin Booker comes, sets the ghost screen. Dallas doesn't fall for it. Sometimes it works. In this case, it didn't. But, you know, creating that misdirection, Jay Crowder starts in one corner, empties out the corner, comes to the other side off of, like, a a weak side action, off of a a pin-down screen. The, The misdirection is perfect everywhere. Perfectly sets up the Chris Paul pocket pass to Biombo. Biombo has a wide open lane, um, except for the one defender, and he takes the N1, scores. Beautiful basketball, and then obviously Indiana as well. The net rating with Chris Paul and Biombo on the floor, 85 minutes, is a plus 37.1. That's per 100 possessions. So the other way to read that being in that roughly average NBA game, the Suns with those two, an offensive rating of 126, a defensive rating, Mike, of 89. Yeah. 89 points per 100 possessions. I mean, he's yeah. been fantastic. There's a couple people have asked me this online, and, you know, I, I've been hesitant to, to really answer this or give this any thought publicly, at least, because I don't want... JaVale has had... In, in some, such a good season. But is there a case for Bismack to kind of become the backup center when uh, when DeAndre Ayton comes back? Or is this just a really, really fun stretch that you enjoy it uh, for as long as it lasts? Or how, how about even this? With DeAndre and out, Bismack Biombo should start. And I'm going to just say that full stop. Bismack Biombo should start. And here's why. Two things. When the Suns are playing pick-and-pop bigs, like da- like they did against Dallas, uh, JaVale likes to sit back. He likes to be in the paint. He doesn't like to play up on guys. And there are times where Biombo still quite isn't quite good at that yet either, but he's better at it than JaVale McGee. So you're playing a team like that. They were much better with Biombo on the floor defensively than they were with JaVale McGee on the floor defensively. And on the other side of that, I feel like we need to maximize the time on the court with Chris Paul and Bismarck Biombo. You're watching that Indiana game. Every time they play together, there was something happening offensively every single time. 
because he sets screens hard, he he switches his hips well, and he rolls to the basket hard every single time, and he does not miss that. <laughs> it just happens every time. And with Chris Paul in there, there's angles to get the pass to Bismarck that just aren't there with other guys, and he's catching those passes from Chris Paul on a regular basis. And beyond that, he seems to be at the point with the teammates that he has on the Suns where he understands where they're going to be on the floor. So if he catches it on a trap, if there's a guy coming from the corner, he's able to pass it to that guy in the corner right on the money and get them to make shots, whether it be Landry Shamit, Cameron Johnson, JaVale McGee. I think he assisted all three of those guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if Devin Booker was making shots, he probably would have assisted him at least once in that Indiana game as well. So I don't know. I just don't really. And also JaVale just plays better against backup bigs. He looks like a beast against backup bigs. I'm not sure you want him against those uh, starting bigs. I understand the position that Monty is in that these guys prepare and come off the bench so that they have the opportunities to start when this comes up. But at some point you got to recognize the chemistry that Chris Paul and Biombo have because it's a rare kind of chemistry that just for him to work like that right away it doesn't get worse with Chris Paul. It only gets I mean, better. It's only yeah. going to get better from here. Chris Paul has chemistry with everyone. It's you know, true. I, I mean, it's remarkable. Chris Paul has Chris Paul has chemistry with JaVale too, for with sure. With JaVale and of course DeAndre Ayton, you know, even Jalen Smith. But like I just yeah. think Bismarck, the type of stuff that he does is exact he he basically plays exactly like Chris Paul wants a big to play. Because well, except except for the couple of instances I would point out, Bismack runs a little bit too hard into those screens. Sometimes he almost took Chris Paul out. That's true. I think he landed, uh, or maybe I think it was Javale actually who landed on his foot. But there was one time Bismack was setting a screen last night in the Indiana game, and he almost took Chris Paul out. He went the wrong way. Well, that's, Chris Paul yeah, was, that's what Chris Paul wants, though. <laughs> they want to be robots that are like physically unbothered by other players on the floor. No, I know, but there was there was a point like when the Suns, it was the third quarter, and they still hadn't put the Pacers away last night, and you could tell Chris Paul was more pissed off than usual <laughs> with uh, kind of the way some of the guys were moving. And, you know, Bismack, he also got in Booker's way at some point. None of this to take away from the fact that he has been completely fucking awesome. But, like, if Gobert plays, and Gobert is questionable too, uh, you're saying you would you would rather have biombo match the physicality of a guy like gobert in two jazz games this week yeah versus javel i i don't know that it's funny with with gobert and we'll talk about it later too offensively i'm not really worried about him against either one of those guys you know they both have the size to contest him if you if if the suns are starting jalen smith i think the strength and the size and the offensive rebounds that'd be a problem with jalen smith but like bismarck biombo and javel mcgee i think both of those guys would be fine where I think the Suns would be better against the Jazz with Biombo on the floor is offensively, because I think Biombo has been better offensively for the Suns with Chris Paul in at least the more recent stretch than JaVale McGee has. And it's not to say that JaVale McGee... Well, JaVale McGee does some dumb stuff with the ball sometimes. That's really all it is. Like Biombo only, only sets screens, rolls, and then catches it, and then tries to dunk it, regardless of how far he is away from the the basket or if there's anybody else down there. You know, if he makes the right pass, he can make the right pass. JaVale McGee just does a little too much sometimes, and I think you can't really afford to do that against great teams. So, yeah, I think I would start Biombo if Aiton's not going to play, personally. I know it's not going to happen, I think, but yep. I think I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the game, which I think has happened recently, Biombo has more minutes than JaVale McGee, which is wild that we're even saying this. It's just another time it's, that James Jones yeah. has done something similar to Torrey Craig last year, pulling a guy out of nowhere, 
that immediately fits right into the scene. Yeah, and regardless of who becomes the main backup, it just definitely gives you a lot of confidence going forward for the playoffs, knowing that if... I mean, look, if Aiton went down for any reason, knock on wood, he doesn't. But if he did, you know, even just say for a game or two, let's say like that's a, a better scenario. Not that we're talking about a serious injury, but if he takes a hit somewhere, misses a game in the playoffs, you've got two capable guys who can come in and spot start. You're not having to talk about a potential situation where it's someone like Jalen Smith playing heavy minutes at, at center or something where he's just not ready. You have two vets who are very prepared for the moment, and that is certainly... Uh, it's just a pleasure to watch them both play right now. Mm-hmm. Here's a stat for Biombo. It's a Vorp stat. Haven't quoted Vorp in a while, so I got to go back to my roots. Did you know that Bismack Biombo, and, and for all those who know, Vorp is a cumulative stat, which means you accumulate it with the more minutes you play. The more minutes you play, the more opportunities you have to be good at this stat. Bismack has not played many uh, minutes this year. But Bismack Biombo in eight games has a higher Vorp on the season than Russell Westbrook. Hmm. That probably doesn't surprise you. I mean, Westbrook has been a negative. <laughs> it probably doesn't surprise you, but, but you know, and, you know, you, the Lakers also think, don't maximize him in any way. I want to blame the Lakers. You would still think you would still think the guy with all the points and all the rebounds and all the assists and the steals, and you tally that all up, and even with the turnovers, yeah, that is you, wild. You, it is. A, you dock him for the turnovers. You dock him for the efficiency. You'd yeah. still think it would add up to more than Bismarck Biombo. Yeah, it does that's not. A good point. He also has more than Darren Fox. Wow. That's another player. It's hard to wow. compare. It's really hard to compare bigs to guards yeah. in the stat. In fact, most of the time, unless you're doing it tongue-in-cheek like I am right now, I would recommend you not do it because uh, bigs are so heavily rewarded for things like rebounding, defensive rebounding, for instance, which just doesn't have as much impact on the game as we'd like to believe. But all of the other stuff for Bismarck is real. The blocks are real. The efficiency is real. Right. The defensive net rating, that's real. So a lot of the stuff that's going into that stat is real and mm-hmm. points to an actual tangible impact that he is absolutely having on the Suns. Really cool story. I mean, it, it's actually, I compared it to Tory Craig, but it's actually most similar to Cameron Payne, who just came to the Suns and just absolutely owned it for a season out of nowhere. And that's exactly what's happening now with Biombo. And, and I do think there's a chance that in the, in the playoffs that Biombo gets minutes over JaVale. Now, we're not talking about necessarily right away in the regular season, but there are certain matchups where if the big has to move a little bit more, I'm actually kind of shocked I'm saying this, that Biombo is somehow more able to move his feet than anyone, but he's more able to do it than JaVale McGee. And we saw that in the Mavericks game in particular. And we'll see if it if it holds, right? Because this is a really hot stretch. Players have had hot stretches and cooled down after a while. Um, there's really nothing in here. Like, it's not hot shooting, you know, it doesn't feel like a guy just gets hot from three for two weeks and that's what makes it seem like it's unsustainable. Well, it doesn't feel like that for Biombo. It's not hot shooting in the sense that we all know that Biombo doesn't have a lot of touch. Like he's not going to start hitting even 10 foot hook shots or whatever. That's just not his game. I think I've seen him make one of those maybe. But for the most part, it's not his game. He gets layups. I think I said this on the Patreon episode this week. I can't remember. Sometimes I forget now. But just like his hands have surprised me and that's been one of the most outlier things I think in comparing what my expectations were of this guy based on what I've seen and based on what I've heard others say throughout his veteran career versus what I'm actually seeing on the court now a lot of credit goes to Chris Paul and playing the passing angles right and and navigating those windows but also just you know is Bismarck going to continue to catch this well right because I was not expecting it at all and that definitely contributes I mean the difference between a guy who 
is shooting 60-65% on his layups versus 70-75%, yeah. the latter of which is is what Bismarck is doing right now. Yeah. Dunks, uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Can you catch bounce passes? You know, this was a big yeah, issue ha- that we talked is. about. This is Yeah, this is an issue we were talking about with DeAndre Ayton for the first three years of his Ayton, career. He's gotten yeah. a lot better at it. Yeah. But just something as basic as can you catch bounce passes, don't bobble the pass, pick it up cleanly, and don't give the defense uh, really an opportunity to react before you rise up because if they have an opportunity to react, that's when you start to get uh, rattled or you get blocked at the rim or something like yeah. that. So yeah. that can make a difference over time, and we will see. But for now, looks great. I mean, the other part is... I don't know that Biombo's caught a single lob dunk, maybe one or two. Yeah, not but, his game. Yeah, it's just, just not. not. It's just not. Chris Paul's not throwing him those passes. And by the way, Chris Paul said that he reached out to Kyle Lowry to ask him about how Biombo likes to get the ball and stuff like that, which is just absolute catnip for Raptors fans who love when <laughs> Kyle Lowry gets credit for anything. For anything. So, yeah. so good for them on that. That's a win, absolute win for them and I'm happy for them there. But yeah, I think for Biombo it actually works out kind of well for the way that defenses have been playing Chris Paul so far this season in that if it's not going to be the lob, if he can catch that bounce pass and just attack the basket, Chris Paul can thread that needle, right? He can thread that needle to him and get him the ball on those traps and then it's just either Biombo versus a smaller defender with a shooter open in the corner or it's just Biombo and the rim wide open right. which has happened over and over and over again so yeah i mean a lot of credit goes to chris paul which i think we're going to talk about in the second half of this episode as well but the other things that happened in this game not as fun i'm glad we let off with the fun stuff specifically in that indiana game cameron Payne fell on his right wrist after getting fouled uh going for a layup got smacked in yeah. the wrist as well on that play. Mm-hmm. And fell onto that uh, right wrist, his non-shooting wrist, and he was immediately holding it, left the game shortly after that, did not come back. Have not heard an update yet. I think this afternoon, Sam, we will hear an update. So people listening to this, we're recording this on Sunday, uh, people listening to this will maybe have heard an update so far. I'd be surprised if he played this next game. The other player, Jay Crowder, fell on his left wrist, also his non-shooting wrist, and immediately immediately ran to the locker room. Yeah, uh, That's two vital players for the Suns. I'm not going to play this down, but vital players for the Suns as currently constructed. And those players need to be healthy in order for the Suns to make a proper run into the NBA playoffs. Uh, I don't know anything about those injuries. I think depending on the severity of them, we're going to have conversations about that, maybe even try and reach out to some people that are more of experts on injuries so we can try to do some good analysis for you guys there. Uh, but right now, Jay Crowder, Cameron Payne, probably going to be out for the foreseeable future. I don't know how long. We'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping that Cam's is just just based on kind of instinct of how they looked. Again, I'm not a medical expert myself. It does seem like people think uh, Cam's is a little bit milder. But yeah. you don't know. I mean, a lot of that is just judging from the reaction. Like with Cam, he still got up. He shot his free throw. He missed his free throw. But then he ran up and down the court a few times. You know, he played out the rest of his stint, and then he left the game. Jay instantly ran to the locker room. Uh, so Which it could and, be and a Jay's, hand injury too for Jay. People, yeah, are I mean, Jay's that one scares me more because Jay's a tough guy. He, yeah. you know, if he thought he could play through it, he would. Yeah. So the fact that he instantly said, "Nope, something here is wrong," uh, in my opinion, is not a good sign. And uh, you know, as for what it means for the death chart, unfortunately, we know exactly what it means, Mike. <laughs> 
the sun's death chart yeah. at those positions specifically uh, the, the, is not those great. Are the ones, yeah. Those are the ones it's, that we've been trying to solve. I mean, the, the issue with having eight centers is that suddenly when exactly. someone else, That's exactly someone else it. gets injured. It's exactly uh, right. I mean, you, you can't know, put Jalen like, Smith I, in there, they, and they might, but you can't put Jalen Smith in there to replace Jay Crowder or or Cameron yeah. Payne, obviously, but it's just not something you can do. So, I yeah, mean, the Jay sucker. Crowder one specifically sucks because it's your choices are either play Jalen Smith, who you can play there. He's playable at the four. Uh, more, I, w- I will say he's... I, 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 I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But I would say he's more playable now than I believed him to be a month ago. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He playable okay against Indiana, playable in against games. Detroit, not playable against the Jazz. Not playable yeah. for the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think playable for the playoffs, but it is January 23rd, and I don't think yeah. the injury we saw from Jay Crowder was a four to six months type <laughs> yeah. recovery time. I, I don't think know. That was a, I, I don't know. I don't know either. We'll wait it's, for updates. It's tough because... We'll wait for updates. I think we're talking, just to talk you down from the ledge a little bit, I think we're talking about, even in a bad case, a matter of weeks, not a matter of months, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, the point is, you don't want Jalen Smith or Ish Wainwright in that position for all too long. The trade deadline is in three weeks, too, by the way. Yeah. Does it affect logic uh, or, or outlook strategy for the well, front you, office? Look, I mean, I, I would I'll, hope that they're targeting wings already. I'll you say know this what right my now. opinion is on You can't pass the trade deadline with Jalen Smith on your roster. Like, that's just the first part because we already have three centers that are above him in the roster. Monty Williams has talked about him being a center. He told the coaching staff that he's a center and prefers to play at center. You can't just force him to play power forward for the rest of the season, especially because you don't have depth at forward. He has to be gone to step one, and I'm sorry. I like Jalen Smith too, but for the better of his own career, he needs to play at a team that will properly utilize him and take advantage of the skill sets he has. So step one, if you have to cut him, cut him. Because you need to fill that spot with somebody that can play I'm actual minutes for this team. If players continue to get injured like this, with which, by the way, Cameron Johnson just came back right before this. And right, we finally had the original intended roster here outside of DeAndre Ayton. And then immediately Jay Crowder goes down. Cameron Johnson's not even quite himself yet. And he's going to no, have to not. step into that starting lineup immediately. And, and then probably there's play nobody to play after minutes. him. Yeah. 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 Step one, Jalen Smith out of here. Don't need that many centers. I mean, I feel bad for Frank Kaminsky, but if he's not going to play the rest of the season, maybe him too. <laughs> you know, clear that roster spot uh, because you don't, you can't go the rest of the season with that many centers on the roster. Even if you find guys that maybe they're not playable in the playoffs, if they can at least fill in in the regular season when injuries like this happen, you got to get them. You got to get them. Um, but yeah, and you know, DeAndre Ayton's still out too. So, you know, we talked about Biombo. We mm-hmm. have him. We got JaVale McGee, so that works out there. But outside of that, I think these are the two types of injuries. We're going to see Alfred Payton minutes. You know, we yeah, saw it I mean, in the we are. We're going to see it. I, 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 you can go, but so the thing is you can go against the Jazz or against any of these other contenders right now. Like, let's say, let's say these three guys are out for all of them for the next two or three weeks. I don't think that's going to be the case, but let's say they were. I mean, you, you'll get a lot of Chris Paul. You'll, you Basically, with your main core rotation, you still have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and then even toss in Biombo slash JaVale there at center. And I think your top five or six is really strong. After that, your production falls off a cliff. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be riding those guys hard for 35, 36 minutes each, and the bench minutes are going to start to look really ugly. Sure would be a nice time for Landry Shamit to have a, a, a good week. Yes, that would be great. A, a, a good week before the two. trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, that would be I mean, a great time for him to do that. Can like 
can anyone remember when was the last good Landry Shamit game? Mm. I you know I I, I kind of I. I've gone back and forth about like if I should go after this guy or not because in the past I've defended him and I really do think I think I just said on one of our episodes again maybe it was a Patreon episode I said he's very inoffensive in what he does but can you remember the last good Landry Shamit game? Yeah. Can you remember more than three this season? Have there been more than three? I remember one of the games I was at with you when I visited Phoenix in November I think it was against the Hawks they weren't getting anything on offense, and he was curling around those screens, and he kind of took over for a stretch in the third or fourth quarter. He he finished with 16 or 18 points. That was November. And, like, he's fine. He's been fine. Uh, he hit a couple of corner standstill threes last night against Indiana, but there's there's room for a nice upgrade there if you're willing <laughs> to go and find one. I'd nice say so, upgrade. too. Yeah, i say so, too, and I think that James Jones definitely knows that. And at this point, somebody, you know, like... If, if Landry Shamit was doing the things that we were sort of promised when he was traded to the team, playmaking, stuff like that, uh, then I think it would be a different scenario as far as Cameron Payne being out for a few games because then you can make up that playmaking without having to play Alfred Payton. But at this point, you're going to have to play him. You're just going to have to play him. So that is what it is, and we're going to see that going forward. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk about something a little more exciting. I want to make the case uh, for a player for a specific award this season. So we'll be right back after a quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
Okay, Sam. I have a I have a gripe. I have a gripe with Suns fans <laughs> in particular. In that before can I can I wait wait, can I just say, can I stop yes, you? Yes. Yes. Before he goes any further, the views that this man is about to espouse do not represent my views. If you're gonna come after him, come after him. Do not come after me. Proceed, Mike. Go. <laughs> I've seen way too many Suns fans hesitant to allow Chris Paul into the MVP conversation. Way too many. And I understand why. I think it comes from an insecurity about the way Devin Booker is perceived as far as like the entirety of NBA fandom, NBA media, whatever you want to call it. The perception of Devin Booker that he's, you know, not good or whatever. I don't know. Clearly that should be gone by now, but that's just something that some people have. So I understand why people feel the way they do. But I think that we need to really look at the MVP case for Chris Paul seriously at this point and just consider it. Now, I'm going to start this off by saying Chris Paul is not going to win MVP. He's not going to win it. But, you know, Mikhail Bridges is not going to win Defensive Player of the Year either. (laughs) We've talked a lot about that. Monty Williams might not win Coach of the Year. We've talked about that as well. I think... It's important for Suns fans to be okay with these guys being in the conversation and even beyond that, support it. Because I think to some extent, that insecurity about Devin Booker is causing Suns fans to not really appreciate how good Chris Paul has been this year. Because I have a a lot of stats here to talk about just to support this case. Because what he's doing has been remarkable, I think. Remarkable at his age, but remarkable at any age for how good the Suns team has been. Now, first of all, I want to ask you before I jump into some of these. Mm. On at first glance, how do you feel about when Chris Paul's brought up in MVP conversations? So obviously, I almost regret what I said before you went off there because now I feel like uh, I look like the bad guy. <laughs> that was my attention because you only talked up Chris Paul. Obviously, I feel good about Chris Paul being involved in MVP conversations. Do I think it's realistic? That's another story. But I just, you're dancing around it, and I just, the reason Suns fans, you could call it insecurity, you can call it whatever you want, but the reason it's a touchy subject is because now you need to answer this question. Who's better? Who's the better player in 2022? Is it Chris Paul or Devin Booker? And I think we've avoided this question on this podcast because we've considered it not productive. And I don't think it's productive to chem- like to team chemistry. I don't think it's something that the Suns players think about at all, for example. But if you're talking about media narratives and who gets to be in that MVP conversation, because a lot of Suns fans want Booker to be in that MVP conversation. A lot of Suns fans say if John Morant is leading a 30-win team as its leading score or 27-win team, whatever the Grizzlies are right now, and he's a 25-26 point per game score, why doesn't Devin Booker get to be in that same conversation even higher up on the ladder because he averages the same number of points and his team is better? So I believe you've got all the stats. But yeah, what do you, what do you believe? Well, is first Chris off, Paul a better? Is Chris Paul just answer the question? Wait, is Chris Paul a better basketball player than Devin Booker in twenty twenty two? First off, MVP is not about that, and it never has been about that. And I think that's something that we have to acknowledge when talking about this conversation. It's never been the best player in the MVP award because then it just would have gone to LeBron the last ten seasons, or or you know at least before last season, the last ten seasons I think, before that. I think, however, you're right, but I do think in the post-LeBron era, 
there's kind of an identity crisis right now around the league. Yeah. You know, like there's, there isn't a, like LeBron is great. We all know he's great. We respect him, whatever. He's a top 10 player, but he's not that guy anymore. And so now there's this, there's this crisis, there's this crisis of faith in the NBA. It's because people don't don't like Luca. No, but that's a no, main it's reason not be- why. It's not because they want it like to be Luca. They put all the marketing money into Luca. They oh, wanted the, NBA the face has. of the yeah, NBA yeah, yeah. Sure, to be sure, Luka sure. Doncic. No, and I it's see. not gonna be because too many people dislike the way he plays or like well, it as a person. And they put all that up they put all the marketing money, actually I do agree with you there. They put all the marketing money into Luca and then the following year they followed it up with Zion and look how that turned out. Exactly. But no one knows really. I mean, people will defend whatever their opinion is to the death, but no one really knows who the best player in the NBA is right now. No one really knows because right, so I, now because more that than ever conversation is bad. I think that's why. Okay. But I'm just saying now more than ever, you can make the case that best player is MVP because LeBron doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And until someone rises up and seizes the, the identity of officially being the new LeBron James, the unquestioned best player in the league, maybe Giannis can be that. But there's just know. no way to. But do he that. hasn't yet. I think there's just no way to do that. There's there's no way to know for sure which player is the best player in the NBA because circumstance, teammates, other things that happen in the NBA, players' schedule, you know, all of that is factored into it. That's why I think the whole conversation of ranking players and deciding who's better than other players is just always constantly flawed. It just never works. It's not. All right. And I'm saying that as someone that understands that if we really wanted to have those conversations, we could probably milk it for hours and hours and hours and hours of content going forward and believe and we me don't there are, do there it. are plenty of pod, there are plenty of podcasts that do milk it for hours and hours yes but let me make a concession to you fine you don't want to talk about best player that's fine why is chris paul more valuable to the phoenix suns than devin booker and i and look before you even start i think there's a very high chance that you can convince me that that's the yeah. case and and i'll come aboard like i could be on your team yes. but i think a lot of suns fans need to hear that so why is he more valuable? Number why, one, why are you firmly believing that opinion? Number one, consistency. He's more consistent than Devin Booker. We just saw when Devin Booker's great, he's greater. He's he's one of the best players in the NBA. But we just saw what he was against Indiana. He's not consistent. He's not consistent this season. Like he is relatively consistent, but as consistent as Chris Paul, not really. And this is see, this is a conversation here where I want to say this. What I'm going to tell you about Chris Paul has nothing to do with how good Devin Booker is because Devin Booker likely by the end of the season might be as much in the conversation or more in the conversation than Chris Paul. What I want to say is that talking about Chris Paul and having him in that conversation should not in fans minds take away from Devin Booker. Let's just go over some stats and then we'll get back to that in a minute in the modern era. Do you know how many players have averaged 10 plus assists with less than two and a half turnovers in the modern era of basketball? Uh, what's the modern era again? Is Let's that just three say point line? the two, the year 2000 on the last 20, t- 22 years. Okay. Okay. You're 2000 on 10 plus assists, less than two and a half turnovers. Yeah. I'm going to guess it's just Chris Paul. Just Chris Paul. He's the only player maybe, and he's doing it. Maybe Rondo got close one season. I could see that, but, but just Chris Paul. Just Chris Paul. In fact, what Chris Paul is doing is the least turnovers this year the least turnovers he has done this with at all and that is the least any player has done since Muggsy Bogues did it in the 93-94 season when basketball was essentially a different sport and that's Chris Paul that's what he's doing this season so far not to mention the Suns have the best record in the NBA 
the best record in the NBA. Devin Booker's missed seven games. DeAndre Ayton's missed 17 games. Jay Crowder's missed six games. Chris Mm -hmm. Paul has played every single one. So when we're talking about consistency, we're also talking about the guy that's been there that has led this team to the best record in the NBA. In the clutch, in the clutch this season, Chris Paul is plus 64. That's an absurd number. I'm going to say it again. Plus 64. That means the last five minutes of the game, when the teams are within five points, when Chris Paul is on the court, the Suns have outscored other teams by 64 points in that scenario. And that is an absurd number. And that is with a bunch of different teammates. We saw it with Biombo. We've seen it with Devin Booker, without Devin Booker, with Cameron Johnson, without Cameron Johnson, with Jay Crowder, without Jay Crowder. All of these guys have been shifted in and out of that lineup. And Chris Paul is at the top of that number because he's been the most important in that stat so far this season. Let me list you some players that are having career highs in efficiency this year on the Suns. DeAndre Ayton. Bismarck Biombo, JaVale McGee, Jalen Smith, and Frank Kaminsky. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> All five of those centers are having career highs in efficiency this year. That is a Chris Paul stat. As good as those players have been, it's not a coincidence that five different centers can come to the Suns and have career highs in efficiency. That is just insane that all five of those players can do that. And that is a Chris Paul stat to me, as good as those players are. 26 games this season with 10 or more assists, only 17 games with three or more turnovers. So way more games with 10 plus assists than games with more than three turnovers. Here's a stat that I thought was crazy and I didn't know. He has the highest defensive win shares of any guard in the NBA this season. That's the steals. That's the steals tied with Steph Curry. His steal numbers are going crazy. Actually, I just, I, can I throw a stat back at you? Sure. Um, he's the only player in NBA history. I just found this today and I tweeted it out. He's the only player in NBA history, age 36 and up to average two steals per game. Yeah. The only player he has the most steals in the NBA, the most steals overall. He goes back and forth with leading the league in steals per game because there's, there are players, uh, like DeJounte Murray from the Spurs yeah, that are great. up there with steals per game, but they don't play as many games as Chris Paul because Chris Paul's played every single game so far this season. Consistency. When Chris Paul plays in the clutch this season, the Suns are outscoring opponents on net rating by plus 45. So 45 points per 100 possessions when Chris Paul is on the floor this season, which is the best in the NBA for anyone that is leading a team like Chris Paul. The only person beyond him in that stat is somebody we're going to talk about in the future, which is Kenrich Williams. Uh, which is insane considering he plays on a terrible team. But essentially, Chris Paul, as a leader, has the best net rating in the clutch so far this season. Now, if you want to make the case that Chris Paul's not going to win, I agree with you. He's not going to win. He doesn't have the counting stats. But my case is this. I don't think there's really been any player in the NBA that makes as big of a difference as far as winning games than Chris Paul does this season because the Suns win more than anyone else. And Chris Paul has played every single one of those games. And nobody else in the Suns has outside of Mikael Bridges. And obviously, Chris Paul has a bigger impact than him. And that's really the only case I can make. And I think for Suns fans, they should embrace the fact that he is mentioned in the MVP conversation. Because in reality, I think he does deserve it. Regardless of what the box score stats say, because box score stats are, are flawed. Outside of that, he deserves it, in my opinion, at least to be in that conversation. You said he was missing the counting stats. I mean, 
Honestly, he's only missing one counting stat, and that's points. And and even if, that, <laughs> let me just make the case here. Yeah. The biggest challenge the Suns face this season is trying to win games while trying to develop the young guys on this roster. That's the number mm-hmm. one challenge the Suns had to face this season. And it was the number one challenge that Monty Williams had to face. It was the number one thing that you and I talked about before the season started. And what we didn't factor in was that Chris Paul could find a way to do that while still winning games because he'll just take three quarters off and allow those guys to get their numbers and then turn it on in the fourth quarter over and over and over and over again, snatching (laughs) victory from the hands of defeat from teams that are about to win over and over and over again because he's Chris Paul and he's one of the only guys, maybe the only guy in the NBA that can do that. Yeah, it's just a little bit cruel because it's a sacrifice that we asked Chris Paul to make at the beginning of the season. We said, hey, can you lay off a couple of shots that you took last year on a per-game basis and give those to Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, uh, DeAndre Ayton instead? And so far he said sure. And all of those guys are seeing their scoring outputs increase a little bit. Actually, Mikhail's has gone down. (laughs) Uh, So that's another story. But those other guys have seen their uh, scoring averages go up. And it's at the expense of Chris Paul and Chris Paul's MVP case. I don't think that it is just it's just not possible in the modern NBA era to take 11 shots per game like Chris Paul and win MVP. That's what Steve Nash did in 2005, but it's not 2005 anymore. You said it's a different sport from what it was in 93. It's a different sport from what it was in 2005 too. And you're just not going to get MVP Let me uh, with ask 15 you. points per game. If he but if he averaged 20, I mean if Chris Paul averaged 20 and 11 with with this efficiency this few and the uh, Suns would be worse average <laughs> right and this yeah but i mean Isn't if the Suns were the... still the first seed that would give him a case but doesn't yeah. that make the mvp award just seem stupid if he averaged 20 and 11 but the Suns were five games less in the standings he'd be in the mvp conversation more it makes the way that we evaluate basketball exactly. on a national level stupid but we've known that all along exactly let change? me ask you this this is one question <laughs> we've here. always known that yes it's true it's true <laughs> If you switch, and this is a genuine question, because I don't know the answer to this, and forgive me for not preparing you for this question. If you just switched Chris Paul and Steph Curry right now, just talking about the Warriors. Oh, my God. Just talking about the Warriors. How much worse, let's say you even think they're going to be worse. How much worse do you think the Warriors are this season if you switch them? Obviously, they're going to play different. We're not assuming Chris Paul is going to run around a thousand screens and play like Steph Curry. Yeah, they're going to play. They're going to play so different. They're going to play Chris Paul um, ball. Let's say they're playing Chris Paul ball. How much worse, or or what do you think they'll be? They won't be that much worse. I if don't you think gave so them, either. If if, if any, you, if here okay, on the condition, because people are going to run with that. Like if you say that just on Twitter and 140 characters, people are going to run with that, and you're, they're going to say you're an idiot. They play completely different, which is true. If you gave them a full summer to train together and do a training camp where they're not going to, like right. you said, they're not going to run them right. off thousand screens. Um, Draymond is not a role threat, and he's not a pop threat, so that doesn't work in Chris Paul ball. It just doesn't. You could get a, around it though because Kevon Looney would have Chris his best Paul, season. Though. Because Draymond yep, comes Kevon, around those traps. Kevon Looney would have the best season of his career. Jordan Poole could still be a movement shooter. Andrew Wiggins could could kind of be a a hybrid of things, which yeah, I guess is what he is. He'd be Devin Booker anyway. light, right? Clay Thompson would be wide open every time he shoots, which still happens. And I mean, Chris Paul and Draymond Green on defense together would just kind of be absurd. Um, and like, imagine imagine a lineup with Chris Paul and Gary Payton the second, where Gary Payton is like the Mikhail Bridges role, right? 
And he's taking the primary assignment, but Chris is there plugging up the passing lanes. Draymond's a free safety. I mean, there's just not really a great way to score on that team. I think bottom line is Chris just doesn't have the will to shoot like Steph does. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that holds that Golden State team back to begin with. So if Andrew Wiggins is suddenly going to have to be a guy you rely on from night to night and take 20 shots, yes, I do think the Warriors would be worse. Would they be that much worse? No, they probably wouldn't be that much worse. And that, yeah, I mean, that speaks to Chris's impact at age 36, which mm-hmm. has been insane. It's it's remarkable. It's remarkable. So more than anything else, I guess, people listening to this, hear this as a plea from me to embrace Chris Paul as part of the MVP conversation, even if you understand that there's no chance he's going to win it, because I agree with you. But instead of conceding to the fact that the way that people evaluate NBA players is flawed, Maybe try and push back on that a little bit instead and just acknowledge that what Chris Paul is doing is remarkable regardless of his age because I think it is. I genuinely think what he's doing is incredible and I think that, I mean, I think that Suns fans will appreciate it so much more once he's gone, but we should appreciate it more right now because it's insane. You know, watching that Mavericks game, it really clicked for me. Because I'm like, oh, well, we're, we'll be fine. <laughs> we'll just be fine. We have Chris Paul. At the end of this game, Chris Paul is going to be Chris Paul for five minutes, and then it's going to be over, and that's exactly what happened. So it is it is a pretty remarkable thing. So shout out to Chris Paul. I think he should be in the MVP conversation, and I didn't say this last year, and I do genuinely believe it so far this year. Do you agree with me now, I guess? <laughs> where are we at now? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Look, you make a compelling case. Um, where is he on the ladder? though I, you know like, yeah i don't know i don't know i guess i don't i don't do that <laughs> i don't really do that because what who who is in the lead right now is it back to Giannis? are we back to Giannis? it's not steph i don't i don't even know at this point dude it's it's not kd either right so it's, it's not kd uh, he got injured yeah it's not is are it's we not back to Giannis? Jokic, Jokic could be there and beat and people have been saying Embiid. Yes, people have been saying Jokic and Embiid. You know, I mean, if if like, if Memphis gets up to the two seed somehow, it could be Ja. You know, I've ja been avoiding be the whole conversation because I'm just like, there's just a lot of kind of middling teams, and how am I supposed to know which one deserves it? Right. That's that's the weird thing about the conversation this year is that all these middling teams get their candidates, and why the Suns are better the, than all of them. Why doesn't the 36 and nine team get a candidate? Yeah. So to that point, Mike, well done. Yeah, I thought you presented a pretty good case. All right. I appreciate Let's move that. on to the to the Jazz. The Suns play the Jazz twice this week. Once today, for most of you listening, Monday. It's tonight. And then the next one immediately after that uh, on Wednesday. The first game's at home. The second game is in Utah. Right now we know for sure that Donovan Mitchell will not be playing the first game. We don't know the status of DeAndre Ayton, Cameron Payne, and Jay Crowder so far. But this is kind of the first time, that, well, it is the first time the Suns are playing the Jazz. So it's for us, it's the first time that we're going to be able to talk about the Jazz so far this season. The Jazz have been good this year, but in the last 10, 10 games, they're 4-6. and six, And they're kind of falling apart a little bit. What do you think about the Jazz so far in this matchup? I think the next two games are going to be very important for your brand in particular. <laughs> because I predicted they were going to fall apart this season? Because this this is your chance. <laughs> yeah. This is this is your chance to truly declare the downfall of the Utah Jazz. And by the way, the Utah Jazz, they're playing Golden State tonight. Don't know the result of that game yet, obviously, because we'll know, we'll know by the time you listen to this, but we just don't know right now. Uh, but then they play Phoenix two times in a row, and then they play Memphis. So a very, very, very difficult week for mm-hmm. the Utah Jazz, just as they're playing their worst basketball of the season. 
How do I feel about the Utah Jazz in general? I still think they're very much a threat. Uh, I think they're the number one offensive rating in the NBA, and they have the number one offense for a reason. They have an offense that is not always the most reliable. Um, there's there's a lot of kind of different mm, outcomes in the range of what's possible with their offense. They have the type of offense that's capable of blowing you out by 40 points because they blitz you with a million threes or their shots off for the night and then they lose the game. And so how that translates to playoff basketball is obviously something that we've discussed before. And it's something, it's a question that people will continue to bring up. But the Jazz have shooters, shooters, shooters. They will kill you in rotation over and over again. Donovan Mitchell, when he has played, and he, again, he won't play on Monday, but he's been great. Um, all of their pull-up shooters are great. Mike it really Conley. just comes down. Yeah. Mike, I mean, Mike Conley's been, if you look at his percentages, I actually haven't checked on him in a few weeks, but his pull-up percentages are unfathomably good. Close to the best like, in the insane. NBA. Yeah. Another guy, who, another guy who his, his per-game stats are only whatever they are, you know, like 15 points per game or whatever, and you say, well, why doesn't he just shoot the ball a million more times per game because he's killing it. Um, it all comes down to defense. The only gripe that Jazz fans have with their own team is on defense. And it's all about Rudy Gobert running the show and everyone else being a pretty shitty uh, point-of-attack defender. And what type of additional help can they actually bring in at the deadline uh, to help Rudy out on the perimeter in a way that doesn't sacrifice too much of their offense? Uh, Joe Ingles is not cutting it. Boyan Bogdanovich is not cutting it. Uh, they obviously need changes. I just want to throw out to the people who don't believe that Rudy Gobert has a big impact. How about this first stat, Mike? The Jazz this year, with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell on the floor together, have a plus 14.6 net rating. That is obviously very, very terrific. With just Gobert, no Mitchell on the floor, they still have a plus 9.5 net rating which is pretty impressive to me if you think about it because you're relying on other kind of sometimes questionable offensive options Mike Conley is good but is he that good uh Jordan Clarkson has been iffy this year his shot seems to be going a little bit better for him in the past few weeks at least but he hasn't had the most efficient season coming off of last year so plus 9.5 would just go bare still very good when it's just Donovan Mitchell and no Rudy Gobert on the floor so he's playing with Hassan Whiteside or Eric Paschal or uh, Rudy Gay, even when he's been healthy, the the Jazz then have a negative 0.2 net rating when it's just Donovan Mitchell on the floor and Rudy Gobert is off the floor. Their defensive rating balloons to 113 per 100 possessions. Mm. That is bad. That mm -hmm. is a very bad defensive rating. So that's what we're talking about with the Jazz. And to that end, I guess this is the last thing I'll say and then I'll turn it back to you. What does that mean for the Suns, not just in the context of these next two games, but in terms of the playoffs? Play Gobert off the floor, win the series. It's much easier said than done, despite what people may have you believe in the year 2022, I believe. But with the right roster personnel, with the right small ball five options, and the right shooters and spacing, you can absolutely do it. It's an attainable task. I don't necessarily know if the Suns have that personnel on their roster right now, but I definitely think they could go out and acquire the right personnel to give them basically the key that unlocks a Jazz series and more or less ensures that you can have this team's number. What do you think? Here's a quote from Rudy Gobert. When I watch some of these other teams like the Suns or the Warriors, those guys are a step ahead of us in terms of winning habits. They take every game personally. Devin Booker is playing his ass off defensively. I've been watching him compared to two years ago. Guys like that, they buy in. And you can tell they take pride 
in playing defense and stopping their man, doing whatever they can defensively to stop the other team and be a part of a winning culture. I think we're not there yet, but I think we're going to get there. It's up to the Suns to make sure that they don't get there because they have an opportunity (laughs) two games in a row to put their foot on their throats, just as you said, and take all of the steam out of them uh, that they can because right now, once again, four and six in their last ten. Four and six in their last ten. You talked about them having the number one offense, and that's true. They did have the number one offense so far uh, this year. But in the last ten games, they don't. In fact, the number one offense is actually, believe it or not, the Brooklyn Nets. And number two in the last ten games, the Phoenix Suns. That's the Bismack Biombo effect right there uh, <laughs> because he's been amazing. But the Jazz have dropped all the way down to 10th in their defensive rating in the last 10 games. Even when Gobert has played nine of those 10 games is all the way down at 23. The Suns, this would have been a much more interesting matchup earlier in the season. When one, they were healthy. I'll give them credit. They're dealing with injuries, Donovan Mitchell included. But right now, they are not at their peak. They are not playing at their peak. And the Suns need to put it on them in order to remind them who the Suns are and give them an opportunity uh, to be kind of sad here, <laughs> especially I think the Jazz um, fans. I think Suns fans also, we should remember, have good cause for optimism here. If you just look at the season series last year, because these teams have not changed that much. I mean, Rudy Gobert, uh, sorry, Rudy Gay uh, is cool. He's a cool acquisition. JaVale McGee, Landry Shamet, that's cool. But for the most part, these are the same teams. And the Suns won the season series against the Jazz last year 3 nothing. Uh, in fact, Donovan Mitchell even scored 41 points in one of those games. They still lost. The The Suns beat them pretty handedly, I think, in uh, two of the three games. In the third one, I think it was close, a three- or four-point win. So uh, you should feel pretty good about these, I think, yeah. if, if you're a Suns fan. Um, what is an 0-4 week? I mean, like I said, toughest possible competition for Utah this week. What would an 0-4 week do to their morale? You talk about the Suns stepping on their throats. Right. If they go 0-4... We might have some of those Utahns yeah. uh, turning to alcohol. <laughs> and you already got, and you already got be <laughs> Rudy Gobert subtweeting Donovan Mitchell by talking about Devin Booker's defense, which, by the way, yeah. was just perfect for Suns fans as far as their own players fighting with each other and using Devin Booker as an example of somebody who gives all-out effort all the time. It's as good as it gets uh, for us, but they're already doing that, and they could fall apart even further. The Suns still uh, plus, do enter the game without two guys, or at least two guys, probably three. So that's I tough. mean, Don, Donovan is always like just one or two public comments from a Utah state legislator away from requesting the trade officially anyway, I think. Yeah, so. I, I expected that by the end of the season. <laughs> In this next offseason, I expected him to want to be gone. Uh, so that yeah. would be great. That would be great for me. It's not the best timing as far as my... Uh, future that I thought of of a backcourt of Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker because we got the guy that's in the MVP conversation now, but it still would be great to get him maybe to the East where he wants to play like New York. Uh, but yeah, it's it's tough because Donovan Mitchell has been really good this year too. That's the other part of this conversation. We're talking about them playing this game without their best player offensively, no doubt, uh, but at, at probably their best player overall. You know, the impact, been, impact that Gobert makes, of course, but Donovan's been very good. He's been great. But, <laughs> yeah, it is a little it, it, it like you do relish a little bit in the fact that the defense narratives have flipped, right? Yeah, and, and right also and it should have been last year. We talked about it last year. It should have happened. We did talk about year. it last year, but but also not only do you relish in that, as good as Donovan has been as the alpha dog scorer, he does 
need to share in some of the responsibility, some of the brunt of, of the blame. And being, you know, compared to Devin Booker, the more athletic, the better quick twitch athlete who is not putting in the the necessary effort on defense to right. make the impact that jazz fans and and jazz coaches everyone expect from him yeah. so he definitely but, shares in some of that blame and as a suns fan that that is just one more element one more narrative into that story that's kind of fun well yeah <laughs> right it's now especially to, uh, fun because devin booker is better than donovan mitchell on defense and deandre ayton is better than rudy gobert on offense <laughs> so they got him on both sides of that which is kind of fun uh but yes if you're listening to this now uh, before the game on Monday, we will be doing that game live on playback through our Patreon. Join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the timeline. You get to hear us do analysis on that game live. I'm very, very, very excited about that one. Would really appreciate a Suns win. And then, of course, the the away game will be the game on Wednesday. And we'll be back with the Patreon podcast after that game. You got anything else on the Jazz before we call this one, Sam? That is all I have on the Jazz uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just super excited for it. Yes, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back very, very soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com